seek you to abide in you closer daily, Father. We love you, praise you, we offer this day to you. And it's in Jesus' name, the powerful name that we can say, amen. Well, good morning, church. It is a pleasure to do the last sermon of the year. Give the last, the last teaching for uh, 2023. I can't believe that we're about to close. Uh, for some of us, 2023 has been a magnificent year. For others, it may have been a more difficult year. But the truth or the fact is that it's December 31st. And uh, the year is about to start. My name is Ronald. For those of you who do not know me, I... I work here at Calvary. I am the director of missions, global missions. And uh, well, today we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through verse 32. We'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through verse 32. So open up your Bibles or we're going to have the scripture up there. This is this. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learn. When you hear about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in the righteousness and holiness. In true righteousness and holiness. Excuse me. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others in accordance to their needs that may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Many people here in the West, uh, at least that I know of, um, they see a new year as a time to reflect. Um, and they use it for a time to set new resolutions for themselves. Although I think that setting up resolutions is something that has been declining. But for some of us, we have probably been thinking uh, the, the phrase of new year, new me. Uh, and the fact is that many of us, <clears throat> we are looking for opportunities or events to start new. 
there's something about starting again and becoming better, becoming something else, becoming someone else. And Christ too, he offers us to become someone new, something better, someone better. He offers us to become truly human. We're going to look at three things today that we see here in this passage. And we're going to have to go back a little bit to, to talk about at least one of them. And that is that, first of all, this new self that Paul is talking about here is something that is given. This new self is something that we have to embrace. And this individual change that comes, it has a communal impact. In the words that we just read from Paul to the Ephesians, Paul also speaks about this new beginning, this new way of life, a new self. However, we must be careful and understand that this new self that he's talking about is not something that came from the hard work of the Ephesians. This new self that Paul is talking about is not something they created or attained by their hard efforts. Rather, this new self was given to them by the grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, not some of you, but all of us also lived among them at one time, ratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved. It is important that this new self that Paul is talking about has been given to us, was given to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, but has also been given to us by the grace of God alone. And it was given to us in the worst point of our life. And I want you to stop today and reflect and maybe think for a moment, how was your life before you knew Jesus? Were you living in the futility of your minds? Were you the person that will say yes to anything your flesh, your body desired? Maybe you were not living the crazy life as someone will call it, but were you self-righteous? Did you think of yourself better than others? How were you living before Christ saved you? Now there may be some people today here who are still testing Jesus. They're trying out this thing called Christianity. Whether you have been here at church for a long time or not, you may have the wrong definition of what it means to be a Christian. And the definition may be something like this, that to be a Christian, I must stop having sex, doing drugs and alcohol. And what I have to do is I have to start being faithful, sober, and generous. 
But that is not what it makes a Christian a Christian. What makes a Christian a Christian is understanding and believing that Christ, the promised Savior of God, died in your place and my place. And he died in your place and my place when we could not do anything for ourselves. And that it is through him that we have obtained, through faith, forgiveness of our sins. You see, to be a Christian, it means that in him, in Jesus Christ, we have become a new creation. We are a new human. And that in him, we're being transformed in his image. And I want to read to you a few scriptures that explain farther or speak farther to this truth. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 uh, through 19 and also verse 21, listen to what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5, verse 6 through 8, it says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 4.10, it says this, and this is love, not, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Only because the love of God was and is immense, is so vast, is so grand, were we able to become someone new. You see, this new self that Paul is talking about is only possible because God made the first step. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what does this mean for us? For the believer, it means this. It means that you can walk in freedom. It means that you and I should love God more and more because all that we are, it's only because of his mercy, it's only because of his love. It means that when we're gathered together here on Sunday mornings or whenever we gather as a body of Christ, you and I should be the loudest ones singing out of the top of our lungs in gratitude to a God who saved us when we were in our lost in our transgressions, when we were lost in our sins, when we were his enemies. And what does it mean for maybe some of you who are here just trying to learn about who this Jesus is? This is what it means for you. It means that you don't have to work hard to become something that is being offered. You don't need to make monthly payments to any religious institutions. You don't need to do any work in order to obtain this new self that Christ is giving you access to, to this newness of life. You can take a step of faith today and obtain this newness of life that God offers. And you can do that today. Do you remember the criminal on the cross? 
How much theology did he know? How many good works had he done? As far as I know, he was not there hanging on the cross for being the best person of the year. He had committed crimes and he was paying for that. Yet the story says that he was given access to God's kingdom because he turned to Jesus and he said, remember me when your kingdom comes. At the worst moment of his life, he was able to find Christ. He was able to find forgiveness for his sin. And it happened because he looked to Jesus and he recognized that he was a promised savior of God who could take away the sin of the world. This new self that we have been given, it came from God. We didn't do anything to deserve it. It was a gift from him to us. And number two, this new self needs to be embraced. As a father of three children, something that <clears throat> I've had the privilege or maybe the curse to experience is watching the movie The Lion King over and over again. Okay? I, I don't know how many times I've watched it, I've listened to it, and the more and more I listen to it, I think that there are some like pretty cool truth in there. Uh, you'll be surprised how much you can learn from the Lion King. And one of the, the images that impacts me or the, the scenes that impacts me the most is when after Simba, who has been run, running like a, a young lion and doing whatever he wants, hanging out with two potheads, because that's what Timon and Pumbaa are, um, if you haven't thought about that. You know, Nala comes in and she breaks, she starts to separate the trio. You know, this friendship that exists between friends, and by the way, this is very close to reality. When a woman comes, she can change the world. So Nala comes in and, you know, they have this encounter and they fight and they discover that, Simba discovers that, you know, Nala is the one who beats him down, has him on the floor, and now they start having this romantic song and after, um, you know, they go and, and, and start, I don't know, I guess, catching up. Nala, she confronts Simba and she says, hey, what are you doing? Like, we've been waiting for you to take, come and take your place. And Simba is like, well, Scar is the true king. And, uh, and she's pretty much telling him, she's saying this, like, you need to step up and become who you are. You need to step up and become who you are. Um, you, don't, you don't need to do something to become a king. Rather, you are a king and you need to act like it. That's what she told Simba. You know, in contrast with what we're used to hearing, do this so that you can become. What Paul is saying here is that those who have received this new identity, they must embrace it. Dr. Tim Mackey, he said this quote, he's, he, he's uh, quoting, uh, or I guess commenting on this passage, and he said this, he said, Paul doesn't tell people to become someone new. He tells people to become like who they really are. Your new identity is the beginning point. See, there is an active effort that we must take daily in order to walk as the new humans that we are in Christ. However, 
There's a difference. This should be derived from our identity. In order to embrace this new identity and be who we really are, there are two things that we must do, but not really. The, the first one is that we have to stop believing like those who are far from Christ. That is how Paul starts here. He says, stop living like those who are away from Jesus, whose minds have become callous, whose minds have become darkened, whose hearts have become hardened. And you see, today, the church, I think we need to remember this. We need to remember that there is a distinction from those who are in Christ and those who are far from him. And, and one of these distinctions is that their minds, from those who are in Christ and those who are not in him, is that their minds are darkened. And it seems like the minds of, the darkened minds have been making their way into the church even today. They have been doing that forever, but today we see it as well. There, there, were, um, there was a survey um, taken and the, 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 the findings, I, I found them appalling. I, I want to read a few things that I found here in this survey. Uh, when it comes to views about same-sex marriage among Christians, 44% of those who claim to be Christians uh, strongly favor same-sex marriage. Uh, when it comes to view about homosexualities, 54% say that it should be something that is accepted. When it comes to view about uh, abortion, the, the, the sanctity of life, 45% of Christians, this is, I'm not talking about people who are not Christians, but 45% of Christians say that it should be legal in all or most cases. And here's another thing, maybe not so much to, uh, to do with this, but when it comes to, when they ask the question, is Jesus, uh, or I guess they made the statement, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. The response was that 30%, 40, 43% of evangelical Christians will agree with this type of statement. We're called to stop living like the world, to start embracing the ideas of the world and start living like Jesus. We're called to put on the new humanity that has been created in the likeness of God. And what is the best way to do this? The best way to do this is when we learn Christ. When we learn Christ. Now think about this for a moment. What does it mean to learn Christ? The commentator said this. He said, to learn a person, it's an unparalleled expression in the Bible. It assumes the content of the message and teaching of Christianity is Jesus himself. Not a moral philosophy or life improvement. Rather, being a Christian means engaging with him personally to learn a new way to be human. As this year is starting and we're thinking about you know, becoming something better, someone better, maybe a lot of us who are in the Christian circle will think that something that we want to do is get closer to, to Jesus. I would like you to consider setting time aside to learn Christ. Spend time with him. 
Engage him through prayer and the reading of the word. Have you ever read the gospels? And I know this is a crazy question to ask at a church. But honestly, have you read the life about Jesus? Have you spent time with him? Do you know who he is? Have you encountered him? Have you had a real experience with the living God? And not just something that mom and dad told me about. Not something that the culture that I grew up in tells me about. But have you encountered the one true living God? Over and over again this year, for some reason, I, I heard story after story of people who came, became Christians, became to follow Jesus just by reading the word. They were not believers, but something told them, just start reading the Bible. And on Wednesday night, trying to think, Wednesday night or Thursday night, I had someone over at my house and I was trying to listen to his I was listening to his testimony and his testimony was no different than what I've been hearing for this past year. This person said, I grew up in a non-Christian home, mom and dad separated. I started, you know, pretty much living on my own at a very young age. And when I moved to, to the States, my sister had given me an old Bible and I said, I'm going to start reading it just like to see what this says. And without anyone preaching to him, he started noticing that the words that he encountered were true, but something else, he started to learn about what God expected of him and his life started to change. And this happened before someone told him, before he had got into the New Testament, he started reading from Genesis and he said, well, I guess God doesn't like when I do these things, I better stop. His life was completely transformed just by reading the word of God. And that is something that I want to encourage you today. You want to change. You want to embrace this new identity. Spend time reading the word of God. Spend time learning Christ. Lastly, this individual change that we are reading about, it has a communal impact. What do you think happens when we put away our old self and put on this new self that Paul is talking about. What do you think happens when we start walking as who Christ calls us to be? Who is affected? That's a question that we must ask. And of course, our personal lives are going to change. We're going to start experiencing some change at a personal level, but I want to draw your attention to what it says here. Listen to how the communal, how, how this individual change is also affecting the communal surroundings and, and, and affects the community that these people are living in. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to who? To your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who must be stealing mustn't steal, must steal no longer, but must work. Why? So that you can acquire wealth. No. It says doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. 
Listen to what else it says. It says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful, helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The individual change that Christ is bringing into your life and my life, and he wants to bring into the life of many here today, is not only for our personal gain. It's not only so that we can become someone better, but it's so that through us, Christ may do a complete work also in the community who is around us, starting with the church and also to those who are outside of the church. God wants to bring... God wants to use us as a new creation to bring change to those who are around us. <clears throat> Andy, uh, he is one of the missionaries that we support. He works in Europe. <clears throat> and he's doing uh, uh, some amazing work uh, among an, an unreached people group. And I had the privilege of interviewing him. I think his picture is, should be up there. But I had the privilege of interviewing him not too long ago. And... And in this interview for the, for the Mission Podcast, in case you haven't listened to it, uh, you should. Um, but in this, in, in this interview, something that he was sharing was that uh, a few years ago, this country where he serves in suffered from some natural disaster. And a lot of the people who went to serve the affected areas were Christians. So a person from a different religion tried to shame uh, the Christians who were helping. And this is what he was saying. He, he uh, recorded himself and he said, you see these people who are in, the, in this tent behind me, uh, who are always smiling, who are giving us food and who are, who are caring for us and are being just so kind. Don't, don't go to them. They're trying to convert us. They're Christians. Now this video went viral on, the, on social media and what the people were saying is like, yes, that's true. That is how the Christians behave. And I have a question for us. I wonder if the same thing that people are saying in social media about these particular Christians who were there serving in the affected areas is something that people will say about Calvary. Do you see that church in McAllen, that big church in McAllen? That is a church that is full of people who walk by the Spirit. They're so kind. They are so generous. I know they're not perfect, but man, they are so different. The second reason that I will, uh, that we need to stop living like the world and, and, and put on this new self is because it affects our relationship with God. It says here, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And did you know that our relationship with God can be affected? Yes, he loves us while we were still sinners. And he will continue to love us even when we fall. But our relationship with him can be affected just like any relationship. And not only that, but you see that the God's anger can still be kindled when we disobey him. Now he's not going to punish us as as, as a judge, but he, he's going to correct us as a father, as a loving father that he is. You see, when Paul is, is saying, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, he's quoting from Isaiah 63.10. And he later on, and I'll give you this for homework, he later on expands on this idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. When he's saying, the people of Israel, 
when they disobeyed God after they had been relieved and they had been redeemed and, and they were in the desert, they, they were punished and God punished them as an example for, for us. Behaving like our old self can affect our relationship with God negatively, but the inverse is also true. When we put on our new self, when we're walking like the sons and daughters that God calls us to be, he's also pleased. I know that as a father, when my children obey and they, they, they act like the way that I expect them to act, that I am full of joy, that I am full of, of, of happiness. It makes me glad. And I know that that is the same way that God will feel when his children are walking as who we truly are, as who he calls us to be, as who he has made us to be. So what does all of this mean? What does all of this mean that we have been talking about? It means that the way we behave matters. No, it is not by works that we're saved but our works to reflect what we believe. Our works to reflect the kind of faith that we have. Now there's a, a fine line about working hard to become someone else and to work hard because we are someone else. Let me say that again. There's a fine line between working hard to become someone else than to work hard because we are someone else. Remember the, the quote that I mentioned earlier? It says, Paul doesn't tell the people to become someone new. He tells people to become like who they really are. Your new identity is the beginning point. So for those of us who are Christians, I wanna ask you this. How grounded are you in this new self, in this new identity that Christ has provided for you? Has your relationship with others been hindered because you have been walking as your old self? I want to tell you this, that there is hope. The Word of God says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. So you can start anew again. Have you been walking as the Lord commands you? Fantastic. Look around. Are there brothers and sisters that are not walking as the Lord commands them to walk? Come alongside them. Walk next to them. Say, how can I help you be more like Christ? Let's grab coffee. Let's talk about the problems that you have. I want to pray for you. I want to walk next to you. Let's read the Bible together. Let's pray together. Start to disciple someone. Extend your hand and help your brother and sister to do the same, to walk close to Jesus, maybe in the same way that you are. And for those who are not Christian here today, maybe you're testing out Christianity, you're trying to figure out who this Jesus is. Maybe something that you're maybe even considering is like, well, I, I will consider, you know, learning more about Jesus. I, I, I'm tired of who I have been. I'm tired of, of walking this way. I want to tell you this, that to become someone new, you first need to know that you're nothing with, without Christ. If you don't have this new identity, 
If you don't have this new identity that Christ offers, then you will be starting from the wrong place. Do you remember, again, the criminal on the cross that I talked about before? You see, this guy made a confession of faith in, uh, before he made a confession of, of, of faith in Jesus, he was making fun of Jesus. Mark and Matthew tells us about this. It tells us that both criminals on the cross, they were slandering Jesus. But something happened at this point. Something happened at the cross after spending time with Jesus. Something happened here that completely transformed this guy from slandering Jesus and cursing Jesus and making fun of Jesus to saying, remember me when your kingdom comes. And what I want to tell you is that the same thing can happen to you if you have not experienced Jesus. When you meet with the living God, when you come in an encounter with him, he's not going to let you down. You will be transformed. You will be made new. So what can you do if you're trying to test out Jesus? Maybe a friend invited you today. Maybe you just walked through these doors and you were like, okay, I'm just going to test this out for a moment. Go and talk to somebody who is walking close to Jesus and say, hey, I have all of these doubts. I, you know, I have made fun of Christianity. I have, I, I don't know if this is real. Like, come as you are. Come with your doubts. Come with, with your sin. Come with your, with your brokenness and Maybe join a Bible study. Maybe say, hey, I'll, I'll, please just help me out here. Learn Jesus. He's not going to let you down. He's going to completely change your life. He's going to make you a new person that you've always wanted to be. He's going to help you become not just a new human, but he's going to help you become truly human. I want us to stand up and I, I'm going to pray. And I, I'm also going to extend the invitation if whether uh, you have been walking with the Lord for a long time and you want to just say, I, I want to put on this new self that, that the Bible talks about. Um, and you need help. Uh, we're going to have some people up here who will be praying for you. So I, I'm going to invite you to come forward. But also, if, if you are testing Jesus, if you're just like trying to figure out who Jesus is, um, come forward. We also want to pray for you. Come find a Christian and say, I want to learn about Jesus. I want to to not just learn about a philosophy, but I want to encounter the true living God. We want to help you with that. So let me pray and as we're singing this song, if you want to come forward, we'll have people praying for you. Whether you are a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, you're welcome to come. Father, we thank you because you have provided this new identity. When we were in our 
when we were lost, when we were far from you, you came true because of the great love that you have for us. And this is a love that we cannot comprehend. Why? Why will the living God, the creator of the universe, care for us? What is man that you have remembers of him? But you do. It's a fact. It's true. And I ask you, Lord, that as we are remembering this, that you made the first step, that you gave us this new identity, that we're able to embrace it. And that when we embrace it, Lord, when we start walking, putting, putting away our old self and, and putting on this new self, that our personal life will be changed, but also the lives of those around us. We love you, Father. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.